You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Peace, peace. You know what it is. It's your man, S-K-Y-Z-O-O, Sky Zoo, live out the borough. And you are now watching the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Let's get into it, baby. Episode 125 of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Dexter Henry Pryor Fonseca doing the quarantine thing in New York. Uh, We brought back for the third time on this podcast one of our favorite guests, uh, our man, the great hip hop artist from the great borough of Brooklyn, Sky Zoo. Sky, what's up, man? What's up, brothers? What's going on? How you doing, man? Everything good with you down there in ATL? Yeah, everything is good, man. You know, we just uh, down here maintaining and and quarantining and, you know, just being in the crib, but everything is good. I hope y'all good as well, you and your families. Family is safe. Uh, I told you the other day. You know, uh, we we good. Just just trying to maintain, be safe out here in these streets. You know, you know how that yeah. is, man. Just just just, keep, just keeping it. But the reason yeah. we we got you. Well, first of all, I gotta ask you. Talk the quarantine life is good. You as an artist, has it yeah. been challenging during this quarantine period? You know, in terms yeah. of creativity, has it been challenging yeah. at all? Yeah, it has. Because for one, um, there was a lot of touring I was supposed to be doing right now. So obviously, that was affected. I was supposed to be in South Africa, actually this weekend um for a show tomorrow actually um and then in may i was supposed to be in europe for three weeks so mm. it definitely impacts a lot of things as far as touching the people promoting the music and then the financial aspect on the business end you know there's a lot of money left on the table now it'll get picked up you know we'll redo the tours and the shows at a later date but there was a lot of money left on the table especially europe there was a lot of money left on the table that was already set in stone contract sign whatever whatever you know what i mean so but the main thing is you know everybody's staying healthy and there's way more important things than doing a, a tour right now you know it's more about the lives that we're sadly losing but um you know so there's that element also the lab you know the studio i've got a lot of new music that i need to wrap up mm-hmm. so it's been tough you know i have been getting you know opportunities to go to studio but just not as like all day, every day. It's kind of like once a week, mm. for you know, four or five hours once a week, 
try to cram everything in. Stuff like that, but it's cool though. You know what I mean? I'd rather us be safe and be cool. So it is cool. I was wondering about that with the process because I saw on Twitter at one point you were asking people to send you beats and like you know figure right. out some stuff you you could write to. So it kind of does it force you to reach out more creative creatively since you just can't get as much studio time? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I, I actually ordered a lot of equipment, you know, for my crib because now that I'm in Atlanta with the house, I got the basement. You know, I'm sitting in my basement right now. My my basement is cut up in three parts, and you know, it's a man cave the music studio room, you know, the movie theater room that I'm building. So, you know, in the studio room, I'm, I need to finish building this studio. You know what I mean? So I was on guitar center the other day, just dumbing out, just ordering a bunch of stuff so that I don't have to rely on ABC. You know what I mean? But, um, so, you know, it's, it's been cool. You know what I mean? Other than that, it's dope being home with the fam. Of course, being with my son every day, as opposed to him being at daycare all day, you know? So, yeah, yeah. sending them to daycare the daycare is open but I'm, I'm not sending them yet you know what i mean so you know yeah it's, it's, long story. It, let me i gotta ask you this because i'm because as a fellow father um has it been tough trying to mix what you do with also raising your kid because i feel like it's a challenge it's more time you're spending in a good way but yeah. you're also trying to have an imbalance of two you know what i'm saying sky absolutely because normally you know i take them to daycare by 8 30 i don't have to pick them up till like 4 35 so like that whole gap is me studio phone calls emails working on stuff dealing with mixes writing you know chilling you know what i mean like whatever it may be and that's dead now (laughs) (laughs) it's chasing him around the house all day until he takes a nap and then i get two hours when he's napping to do stuff like this (laughs) he's napping right now so i'm like all right three o'clock we could rock because i know he's gonna be asleep you know right right well it's cool i'm glad we got you with the good time there (laughs) Yeah. Scott, how, Scott, how does all of this sort of alter your writing process, being that you're obviously not going out and traveling as much now and you probably have more time to write, but given, you know, the state of everything that's going on, yeah. is that giving you a different level of creativity in your writing nowadays? Um, It is, but then it isn't, if, if that makes sense, because it is because I'm, I'm home so I could sit and vibe more, but it isn't because a lot of my writing, a lot of me is just, is just experiences. Like I go out and whatever I'm doing, I'm impacted by that. So if I'm on the road, if I'm in Africa or Europe or even in the States, all that's different experiences and things that I'm seeing that turn around and, you know, I kind of soak it all in and then I start pinning and I write a lot on the spot. Like I write at the crib a little bit. 99% of what I do is on the spot. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll mess around at the crib a little bit, but 99% of what I do is in the lab on the spot. So if I'm not in the lab, Right, then it's right. a different thing, you know what I mean? Just because my adrenaline runs a little different when I'm in the studio, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. When I'm sitting in the chair, speakers, monitor, wooden walls in the studio, that's when it starts flying. When I'm at the crib, I turn on ESPN, I turn on the Xbox, I, my <laughs> son is running around, I grab him. The <laughs> process is different, but when I'm in the lab, it's just that, and I just start flying. And in talking to some of your peers, just what have those conversations been like? You know, how have you guys sort of come together and deal with this? And, you know, what are those conversations like that you're having with, you know, your fellow artists and other producers and things of that? Yeah, it's kind of the same for everyone. I think the producers are able to just really cook because producers are more reclusive anyway. They're more introverted anyway because they just sit in the room by themselves and bang out. So the producers are ready. They're they're making five beats a day for three summers, Kanye. You know what I mean? Like they're... (laughs) They're they're on that right now. But as writers, a lot of people write at the crib, so they're able to get certain things done. But me, I'm the type that really, really writes in the lab. But everyone's going through the same thing. Everybody just wants to be able to get back to normal. You know, if you got a studio at your house, then you're able to really cook. 
but everybody just kind of wants to get back to normal, you know? Yeah, everybody definitely does. Now, last time, last time we had you um, up at the studio, you know, we just coming off Retropolitan, uh, right. release of that. We were talking about that. The reason we got you here to talk is a uh, new EP out, The Bluest Note with Dumbo Station. Um, yeah. I've known for all, all the time, if anybody's listened to Sky's music, huge jazz head, like, like myself. Um, mm-hmm. I was even mad because you were up in Brooklyn a couple months ago. Was that the Beer Wax? Where they did yeah. the you did that little and I caught it late and I wanted yeah. to come through but it was it was too late so I know right. you're a jazz head how did you connect with Dumbo Station for people who don't know Italian uh, jazz band I never heard of them I got into them because you started doing this project how did y'all right. link up for this project so I was on a tour in Europe a couple years ago me and Apollo Brown maybe like two years ago or something uh, me and Apollo Brown was in Europe and we had a show in in Rome in Rome Italy and after the show. We're hanging out and selling merch and drinking beer, you know, stuff you do after the show. And um, a dude came up to me and he was like, yo, man, I'm a huge fan. I got a label out here in Italy called Tough Kong, Tough Kong Records. We do a lot of vinyl, do vinyl with a lot of different acts, a lot of guys, you know, kind of in your world. I'd love to do a project with you. I'd love to do, you know, an album or EP or something with you. And I know you're a huge jazz fan. I actually have a jazz band signed to my label called Dumbo Station. Mm. What if we did the two of y'all together? And I was like, yo, this is something I've always wanted to do, but didn't really put it to the forefront, but it was on my bucket list. That's something I knew I was going to do. I was like, at some point, I'm going to do a project with a jazz band, for sure. But when, I don't know, I got to get a band together. I got to you know, book crazy studio time. I got to put the pieces together and pay everybody and do all this different stuff. At some point, I'm going to do it. Um, so when he said that, I was like, yo, this this is nuts. Like, let me hear them. He sent me a link to their album, which is crazy. It's online now. Yep, I checked it out. It's dope. Yeah, he sent me a link to their album, and I was like, oh, they're perfect. Like, let's do this. So, um, you know, last summer, June 2019, while Retropolitan was still being mixed, I was already in Italy working on this project. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Retropolitan wasn't even out yet, and I had <clears throat> to the next project, at least, you know, creatively and, you know, productivity-wise. I was in Italy for a week. You know, it flew me out to Italy for a week or whatever. And I was just out there rocking, man. We did the whole thing in about six, seven days. I think six days because I was out there seven. One day we took off. We did the whole thing in like six days and just rocked out. You know what I mean? We we made all the beats on the spot. It wasn't no beats that they had already. And I just I, took them. Uh, Everything was on the spot. Everything is live. There's not a drum machine in sight on this project. Everything is live drummer, bass, you know, uh, trumpet. Uh, keys, Fender Rhodes, lead guitar, everything was live. I was mm. in there in the studio with the guys every single day, and we made this thing together, and it came out beautiful. What did you enjoy that process more um, with the live instrumentation? I know you had done some on your your previous album um, as well, too. You had some live instrumentation in that, but yeah, I, I yeah. always bring somebody. You know, I, normally I bring in my trumpet player Sean Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, my man Aaron Harden, who plays keys for me. I bring in people post-production wise. So I may be rhyming over a beat that somebody made on the MP, but then I'll add Sean on it. I'll add Aaron on it, whatever. But this, like you said, having a band there, I love the process. The only thing is it's a little slower because we're making every beat on the spot. Right. It takes longer. Right. You know, where if I'm picking beats, if somebody played me 10 beats and I pick one, boom, that's done. Beats already done. All I got to do is write. But when we're sitting there making the beats together, the process takes a little longer. So we may have one seven-hour session and get one record done. Mm. Mm. Hour session and we get one record done. And for a lot of people, that's good. For me, I get like 
I try to get at least one done every day in the studio, but I'm good for two or three every day in the studio. You know what I mean? So the process was it may take a couple hours to make a beat because we're creating it from scratch. So we're coming up with ideas and the drummer is playing and we're messing with the keys and we like that. But then we scrap it all together, but keep the drum, start mm-hmm. over. So it's a, it's a slower process, but it's a beautiful process. Got you. Do you feel like you're starting to get, because we, we had you on after In Celebration of Us, after Retropolitan, so there's been like a progression here. Do you feel like you've gotten more respect in that time for just the consistency of the these projects you've been putting out? Because it's at the point, and it's been at the point where, you know, Skyzoo puts out a project and everybody's like, oh, we know that's going to be dope. You know what I mean? We know that it's going to be a dope project. So do you feel like that's coming around more and more with every project you're putting out? Absolutely. It's, it's kind of like every time you win the championship, you're getting more respect. Like mm. you're super respected for one, you're super respected for three, you're super respected for five. It just it just keeps going. You know what I mean? So it, it's the same thing in that theory on a different scale because a lot of people have one joint, yo, that's amazing. It's a classic, whatever. Then they do another one. Dad, that's crazy. You know, and then it keeps going. And the the messages I've been getting, and this isn't me gloating or patting myself on the back, but the messages I've been getting from people every day is like, bro, you don't miss. You know what I mean? They're like, yo, you don't miss. Like, every project out since day one is nuts. Like, there's no dud. You know what I mean? We don't right. hear an album and be like, yeah, that album wasn't really it, man. Eh, there's no dud. You know what right. I mean? And they all and they all kind of sound different from one another. I feel like Retropolitan has a different sound than, than, than a celebration of, of us. us. This yep. obviously Absolutely. has a different sound than both. And then if you go all the way back to, like, music from our friends, that has a different yeah. sound. So... It's like you keep finding ways to keep reinventing yourself, which is very impressive because, you know, a lot of people just stick to their same sound from album to album. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, that, that's the goal. What I try to do is just grow within the music without losing the core. So I could turn around tomorrow and, you know, make a trap album. And then it's like, whoa, that was totally different from his last work. Right, right. That was the dud. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was going to say, is that something you would do? <laughs> right. That, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? right. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm making the point. You no, know I get the I point. You're not trying to clown around. anybody like that, but yeah. No, no, no. No, yeah. rap is great, but for me, that's not what I'm... Like, that would be the dud for my fan base. They'd right. Like, Got you. Yeah. Happened? Like, trap is great. I love trap. Right. You know, in certain environments and elements, trap is great, but mm-hmm. my fans would be like, ah, there goes the dud. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't do that, but that would be me changing my sound and reinventing my sound, but not the right way. The right way for me is continuing to grow and elevate and change the sound while keeping the core and the common denominator in it, which is lyricism, you know, New York City that I know, you know, <clears throat> 30 drums and break beats and break, you know, drum breaks and loops. And then everything on that just being really musical and really lush. That's the definition of my sound. Like throughout the entire resume and catalog and discography that those are the ingredients of my sound. And then you get different dishes. One day you might get fish and grits. One day you might get red beans and rice. One day you might get fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, but it's all soul food. You know what I mean? So it's all the common denominator is, is these ingredients and this, this essence, but it is a different meal every time you get it, you know? So Scott, with this with this project, the the bluest note, you talked about the process of working with the guys on on the songs. Conceptually, when you were hearing them play out different things, did you have the concepts for the songs already? Because you touch on a lot of different subjects, even within the six tracks on this EP. But did you yeah. have the concepts already, or was it kind of like you heard the music and then the concepts came? 
No, I heard the music and then started writing, you know, because I write everything on the spot. And then even conceptually, like a lot of times I'll have concepts in mind, you know, like for my next album coming out later at the end of the year. Yep. I already got all the concepts. I know where I'm going for the most part. Project is like 70 percent done. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm working on that as we speak. But um, conceptually, I know where I'm at. But with this project, being that I didn't have the beats already, everything was a clean slate because I get the beats from people and I collect beats over a couple months and then I. I picked 14 of them and that's the album. So now I'm building concepts on those beats and then I write it on the spot in the studio. But with this, I didn't have any beats. Right. I went there with nothing. I just got on the plane, went out there. When I landed, I took a shower, went to the studio. The first record we did was Sing Comfortably. So we went in there and was Which is my favorite, man. Which is my favorite on there. I love that track. track Great closer. Thank you. And 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 you know, we just went in the lab, started cooking, and when when we put the beat together. I started writing and that came out. Right. You know, and the next day, whatever record came out, and then boom, boom, boy, it just kept going. You know, that record in particular, Sky, because the, the what I took from it in my my four, five or six listens already, I've done through it is like sort of the people celebrating artists, right? While they still, while they started still having, giving them the flowers yeah. while they still having, no. right? And yeah. like I really liked you touching on that. One song I wanted to ask you about was "We Used to Live in Brooklyn, Baby," right? And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, that tacks back on the Roy Ayer sample. Um, if we live in Brooklyn, baby, that made you touch on gentrification a lot in there, which you talked about in Retropolitan. Um, and yeah. I love the way you phrase it around Brooklyn as a lifelong Brooklynite, you know, really touched me in that way. How, how much did you want to get on that Roy Ayers, you know, sampling that and redoing that? How much was that important for you to do? Uh, you know, for me, um, my next album, which is called uh, All the Brilliant Things coming out later this year, is um, is a conceptual album solely about gentrification really yeah there's moments where it's very blatant and there's moments where it's a little more broad but the whole album is is a concept album about that so that's the next album coming out so i wanted to use this song as a warm-up okay Mm. when we was in the studio i i didn't have any idea to do it but we was in the studio messing around and making beats and it just hit me like so sometimes i look at it like god just walked in the room and said boom here you go Mm. It hit me. I was like, yo, let's play, let's play this. And I pulled up, you know, the Roy Ayers joint on, yep. on the phone. And it was like, yeah, absolutely. We know that record. Of course, absolutely. Like, let's let's do something with this, right? But then what it really came from was the most deaf version. Right. Yeah. Most deaf version of his album. Of Black Both Sides. In 89. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it came from that because I love that record as a humongous most deaf fan. I love that record. And sure. If you listen to my record, it's just a reinterpretation of his. I yeah. take a lot of lines of his and flip it, a lot of cadences of his and flip it. Because what I wanted to do purposely was update the record. So it's like, mm. that's what Brooklyn was in 99. Like most made a record that represented what Brooklyn was right in that moment. And it was perfect. He nailed mm. it. And I wanted to make a record 20, 21 years later of what Brooklyn is now. You know, so the way he did Brooklyn, what it was in the moment, I made Brooklyn what it was in the moment. Like this is what's going on. This is what it is. So I took a lot of his cadences and a lot of his patterns. Sometimes I sit back, reflect on the place. That's the way he started, started it. it. Yep. it goes out. He did the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on the front stoop, like I took a lot of that just so you know blatantly this is an update of that story. Yeah. Now you did it. You did it well. I mean, I loved everything from taking the Roy Ayers um, and taking that basis of it to the most and just bringing it together. It was yeah. really good. What's your fa- What's your favorite song that you did on on this on this record for you? Oh man. Um. 
I mean, I love them all. You know, songs and albums are like kids. You know what I mean? Right. You love them. All. You <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, we live in Brooklyn. We used to live in Brooklyn, baby. Um, I love Good Enough Reasons, which is the last song we did. Really? Huh? Yeah, that was, that that was, was a Friday. That was the first single mm, for people. Okay. Right. That was the first thing y'all released off of it. Yeah. Yeah, that that was the last song we wrote and, and recorded and produced and all that. Um, all of them, man. I love Give and Take because it was just so funky the way we made it. I like that. Uh, yeah. And and there it goes like when when we did that beat, you know when we dun, 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 yeah. Oh, oh the, vid- the video is dope too, brother. The video is I checked Thank the video. Yeah, the video is dope. Word. We shot that in Rome. Yeah. Looks really nice, man. Looks really yeah, nice. We shot that obviously in Rome with the guys and just was in the streets of Rome the way I've shot videos in the streets of Brooklyn. I was just in the streets of Rome, wine stores and in the little cobblestone you know alleys and it just boom there it was you know what I mean so um. So that you know, I I love yeah. There it goes, man. I just love the bounce and the playfulness. Yeah, I love I love the drums on that. It's it's, yeah, it's dope. Yeah. It's dope for real. Should should we move? Should we move on to sports? Yeah, one, I'm I'm, I'm gonna ask. <laughs> I just want to get one thing about all the brilliant things because I know you. I've seen you put on Twitter. You said late 2020 with that. I probably am. I'm thinking about this in my head, but I haven't really seen a rapper touch on gentrification in that wide of a scope. Like, honestly, a rapper touched on gentrification, Sky, if I only think about it, it's been other people, but you really have done it on the last couple of albums talking about it. But to do it on such a wide scope conceptually on a record that's coming out later this year, mm-hmm. was that challenging for you? Or is it easy for people like us because we grew up in it, we've seen the changes in places like BK, and it's so much a part of you, you know what I'm saying, where you yeah. can look back and see. Is this one of the most challenging things you've done, or is it kind of like therapy? I don't know. I could see it being like that. It's, yeah, it's both, um, if that makes sense. Because on one hand, you know, my music is always about what's going on. It's always about what I'm living in, what I've lived in the past, what I'm thinking I'm going to live in the future. And it's this hybrid of all three of those phases and all that. Right, so right. It's, it's easy in that sense, because I'm only talking about what I know. Like, my music is always just about what I know. It's never... Well, you know, if I had, you know, 20 million albums sold and, you know, 30 keys in the house in a safe, like it ain't it ain't that because that ain't my life. You know what right. I'm saying? It's easy for me because I'm only speaking about my life. But then it is challenging on this project because I want to nail it a certain way. Right. There's a certain standard and a certain goal that I want to hit. It's kind of like if if like KD went into the season was like, yo, I want to average, you know, I, I want to get a 50, 40, 90 line for the season. Mm. For the rest of the league, if he don't hit that, he might still wind up averaging, you know, 30 points and 12 rebounds and four assists. But he might be like, damn, I didn't get that 50, 40, 90 that I wanted. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? 50 from the field, 40 from three, 90 from the line. I personally wanted to hit that. Damn. Or if he hits it, he might be like, yeah, I got that. You know what I mean? So for me, there's a personal challenge of nailing this. Like when I did uh, In Celebration of Us, my goal personally was to make the blackest album that I could make mm. and mm. cover every every spectrum and every side of being black, black highs, black lows, black issues and problems, black successes and and solutions, um, our culture, our lack of, the things we've done to benefit from and grow, the things we've done that have harmed us, that we've done to ourselves, the things other people have done to us. My goal was to represent black culture and black folk across the board extremely well and not fail because a whole culture and race of people could be looking at it and should be looking at it so and i felt like i did that with that album that's to date that's my favorite album so far that i've done same same you know? for me with you mm. yeah because of all that because yeah. of everything 
just said. So with this album, it's the same goal that I have. Like, yo, I got to nail this gentrification shit for everybody who's dealing with it, everybody who dealt with it, everybody who's living it. I got to nail this in a certain way. There's a certain way that this picture has to be painted, and, and I got to get that. So that that's that's the challenging part. Real quick before we get to sports, just a, if you can, with that album, is it going to be multiple producers or is it going to be just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. No, it's multiple it's, producers? It's okay. Multiple producers. Um, a lot of new guys. There's not a lot of mm. huge names. Um, I'm thinking now, I don't think there's any huge names on it so far. Mm. Um, I would say my man Twami might be the biggest name on it so far. Twami, Mark Infinite. Um, Mark Infinite, okay. Uh, who else is doing it? Um, my man Cuddy Fresh, he got some some placements. My man Drugs out of North Carolina. But it's a lot of new guys who you may have heard or you may know if you're deep in the beat scene and if you're deep in the hip-hop scene. But, you know, I don't have any huge names on it yet. I don't think. I got to sit back and listen to everything. But I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I can go get the biggest names in the world and it may not be right. You know what I mean? So I don't care. I don't care. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna make these names go. You right. Know? Well, back. I was gonna. Yo, they was on Sky album. You know what I mean? Right. And that. Here, you know? And now they here. Yeah. Right. And I, I was gonna ask, would that be a challenge in itself? You know, being that these aren't, you know, these are guys that uh, are new, like you said. Right. Or you know, is that is that a challenge in itself and going that direction? Nah, not at all. Um, when it comes to selling, you know, it's always fly when you put the record out. Yo, production from. Illmind, Apollo Brown, Just Blaze, uh, yeah. you know, Black Milk, all guys that I'm cool with, all guys that I've worked with repeatedly throughout, you know, my career. You know, it's 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 fly from a selling standpoint, a marketing standpoint, which is great. And make no mistake, those guys are incredible. I've never gotten a bad beat from any of those guys. You know what I mean? Like those guys, right. are incredible. they've looked out for me throughout the course of my career, just hitting me with beats and and all that. So, um, you know, it's always fly being able to sell it. You know, but Outside of that, I don't care what the name is, as long as it's dope. You know, you can send me a pack right now, and if it's something in it that makes sense, I'm going to be like, yo, bro, what we got to do? I want that. You know what I mean? So that's all that matters to me is the fact that it makes sense and it's great. Cool. I'll gotcha. keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We got no sports going on, right? Nick's season ended. Might have been a good thing for us because it wasn't going that good anyway. <laughs> Um, it's gonna be bad, but we we keep going. Yeah, we gonna keep going. What what have you been missing sports a lot, or have you just been? Yeah, kind of, have I, you? Okay, absolutely. absolutely. You know, on on my phone, on my iPhone, like the most visited app on my phone was Bleacher Report. So mm. like ninety percent <laughs> Bleacher Report and everything else. But now I'm never on it. It's like the least used app. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Or I was, you know, glued to first take every day, 10, 10 a.m. Now, I don't watch first because they're just talking about old stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Remember back in the day when LeBron went to <laughs> Miami? <laughs> yeah, I lived it. You know what I mean? I, was, I remember when that happened. I, I don't really want to revisit it. You know, it's whatever. So, you know, um, 
it's tough because I'm such a sports guy. You know what I mean? Like y'all, like I'm such a sports guy. It's tough. Yeah. I want I want baseball season to hit. I want to catch these games. You know what I mean? I love going to baseball games and I'm not the crazy sit at the crib and watch baseball guy. Like, you know, at a certain time, of course, a Yankee game or a Mets game, whatever, whatever. I'm getting into the Braves a little bit because I'm down here in Atlanta now. Oh, but no. I'm not the crazy <laughs> sit at – well, not like I'm switching. No, I know. I know. Yeah. I know you're not. No, but the Braves you. are nice. Yeah. They got Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies. They're nice. As a I Mets fan, I'm just like, I hate stadium them. stadium is amazing. I heard. Stadium. I've heard that. Yeah, my cousin told me. She said it's dope. have condos wrapped around the stadium. So when you go to the stadium <laughs> – you're in a world. It's not even like huh. going to Yankee Stadium. Like you're in a world. You know what I Yo. mean? Yeah. <laughs> Cafes and and you know bars and everything around. It. It's like a world. I was and supposed to. Clear. I was supposed to come down yeah. for a game. I was supposed to come down to Atlanta for a Braves game this season. See him play the Mets. I was gonna do that with my cousin. So I got it. We got to check it out. Got yeah, to. It, mm. it's an amazing stadium. Um, you know. So, um, but you know, I'm, I'm not the sit at the crib and, and watch baseball guy. But yeah. going to the games, yeah, I play a baseball game every day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even when yeah. I, you know, I used to live at Yankee games and like, I'll go to a baseball game every day. Cause it's just a blast. You know what I mean? But you know, I, I definitely miss sports, man. I'm curious as to how they're going to conduct the draft. They're talking mm. about pushing it to August. I don't want that. I'd rather it be June. So players can get familiar with the teams. Whoever we going to get can get familiar with the system. Even if it's Skype and email and zoom getting familiar with the system and the lay of the land, you know what I mean? So, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm missing it for sure. Yeah. I think that's I think that's only the case because they're looking at, you know, whether or not they can even bring the season back in June and then that'll probably push the draft back and then the next season will start in Christmas. So it's just like a it's just collateral damage all the yeah, way crazy. around. It's a yeah. Effect and yeah, it's just crazy. What I wanted to ask was, I mean, obviously, you know, whether or not the NBA season actually ends or continues, the Knicks season is essentially is what it is at this point. When you're looking at the draft, I we've talked about it up here. I think that they should probably get LaMelo Ball. Dexter is kind of like, he likes Killian Haynes, likes LaMelo Ball. There's a couple other guys. Who who do you like so far of what you've seen from, uh, you know, anybody in the draft for the Knicks specifically? For sure, um, because he he does everything that the roster doesn't. And then all the <laughs> things, right. But, but then all of the things he can't do, the right. roster does. Mm, right. So it's a perfect compliment. Mm. It's like you don't add salt to a dish that's already salty, right? right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he does... No one on the roster can do what he does right now. You right. Know I mean? Like, the things he does, RJ can't do. And I love RJ. But the things he can't do is what RJ does. So it's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. stuff like that. Like, it's perfect. It's, it's a perfect match. His height being a legit 6'8". Um, my man... Shout out to my man Dave Zenon. He's a um, uh, celebrity NBA uh, trainer. He trains trainer. a lot of players yeah. in the league. And, you know, he's all over Twitter and all that. That's one of my closest friends. He knows all these guys intimately, like, when it comes to what they do on the court. And we text every day. He's like, yo, LaMelo, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, like, these mm. heads. Because he's a super Knicks fan as well. He's like, these are who heads need to be looking at. You know what uh-huh. I mean? And um, I love LaMelo. I, I love LaMelo. Um, he, like I said, everything he does, we don't have. Everything he doesn't do, we have. What's your yeah, right, I mean? right? And what's your assessment of RJ Barrett's uh, rookie season? You know, now that we've seen him play uh, basically a full season in the NBA, and you know, obviously, the, the roster wasn't really constructed around him as it probably should have been because you know it's tough for him to play his style when you have a lot of other bigs, you know, clogging the paint. But right. what's your assessment of him, nonetheless? It you know he had, he had a good year. Um, 
I think it was a good enough year to know you got to keep him, to know you got to build around him, and to know you got to make him a focal point. Maybe not the focal point, but if you're building like a three, it's him, Mitchell, and whoever we get in this draft, hopefully if it goes our way. You know what I mean? Like you got to – you got to build around him. He has all the things you want. The, the main thing with him is his lack of fear and mm. his body size and, and strength. And, you know, he really is six seven. He really is diesel. He really is not afraid of the paint. If he get this jumper, like, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so what I would do, we talked about this last time. You send him to somebody who's similar to train. Right. Yeah. As much as I'm not a fan of this guy because of, the way he kind of gets away with murder, I send him to see James Harden right away. Because <laughs> they're both lefties. Right. Because they're both lefties. Left-handed shooters always was awkward shooting. I remember being a kid, and we go to the park, and there was this, this Puerto Rican kid I knew who could play, but he was a lefty, and his jumper was wild awkward because of how they shoot. So he would shoot like that. You know? this side, yeah. <laughs> because they lefties. James Harden has figured out how to be a lights-out shooter with the left. Mm-hmm. Very hard to do because it's just an awkward position for them because they left-handed. It is what it is. He's figured that out better than anyone in the history of the league, how to be a lights-out shooter with a beautiful form as a lefty. So that's mm-hmm. what you call. You call James Harden. You send RJ to Houston for two weeks. That's who you call. You I, wonder if, I wonder if James Harden would even do that, being at their competition. So would the backup agree. plan be you call Michael Red, maybe? That's a great idea, too. That's, yeah, a, that's a good backup plan. I think James Harden might because I think it, it gives him a pat on the back as like, mm. yo, you're an OG now. Mm. If somebody wants to train under you, it's because you must be doing something right. 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 So I think he kind of does. I, I think un, with, with those things in mind, I think he would. I think he'd be like, yeah, I'll do that. You know what I mean? Now, if it was somebody in his same generation, mm. you know, he's not going to train, you know. I mean, Russell's his man, but he's not going to train – Kyrie, you know what I mean? Because right. literally comp. He looking at RJ like it's gonna be a minute before you get to my stage. Right. So I, and it's a pat on the back. Like, yo, bro, we we know you super nice. Here's the proof. We want to give you a bag to help this kid out. I'm all, I'm all for Sky. I'm all for the uh, I'm all for the training sessions with these players as we spoke about the last couple of times. It's crucial, man. Yeah, if they do it. It could really be a thing, man. Like, I agree. I mean, I remember when it helped Amari with Hakeem Olajuwon. It was just Amari got hurt. But it helped him when he went to Houston. Footwork got I mean, better. Yeah, he went to Houston for two weeks, gave him a hundred thou, and you know the story goes, it gave him a hundred thou, and he was out there for two weeks training with him and living out there. It helped, you know. what I mean, he just, you know, his knees was was what it was, so it ain't go as long as it could have, but it helped. He came back with a spin move and a post game, and he had footwork, you know what I mean. So it helps, man. So I. I call James Harden, especially you got Leon Rose now, who's connected to everybody. I was going to ask you about that. What, yeah, I did last before because we know we got to get you out of here. How did you feel about the whole thing with Leon Rose and Mills getting out of here? And and yeah. with all that being said, Scott, are you optimistic about the future of the Knicks? Yeah, I think the Leon Rose move was great. I actually have hung out with Leon Rose a bunch of times. He's mm. super dope, super cool. Um, he is connected to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Things will change because of that. Because there is this stigma around the Knicks of, I don't know if I want to go there because the organization is trash and da da da. But you got somebody there like, yo, I'm here now. So you're yeah. not you're not looking at it like, are they gonna do you wrong? You're looking at it, am I gonna do you wrong? And you know I'm not gonna do you wrong. You know me right, for 15 right. years. 
I didn't got you all kind of paper. You know what I mean? I didn't took care of you when you was in a jam with this team or that team. So you looking at it like, yeah, yeah, I know you got my back. So I'm good. We can go there now because it ain't, you know, a small city. It's the biggest market in the world. And I have you watching my back. All right, let's do it. So I do think a couple things are going to happen. Maybe not this summer because I know the free agent class is kind of trash this summer. But um, I think within the next year or two, it is going to be something. And, and we had to get Mills out. We had to get Mills out. Word. You know what it was as far <laughs> on the record and even off the record. Mm-hmm. We had to get Mills out. You know what no, I mean? absolutely. Once he, gave, once he gave Timmy that contract, you knew what it was. Like, not because of Timmy's game or whatever, because Timmy is I, but it was how it went down. Like, yep. nobody was running to give Timmy that much bread. Nobody. Then, why would you? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, right. you could have got him for half that. A week later, you know what I mean. Easy, yeah. easy. It was those type of moves where it was like Duke got to get out of here. He don't know what he's doing. You know what I mean. The only thing I wish that he was in the middle of doing, mm-hmm. I wish they would have let him pull the trigger on that D-Lo trade. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, that would have I agree. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked Brian, I was for that guy after the deadline. I said if they could have added D-Lo, I would have definitely done it. Even. Yeah, free agency. They I went after him in free agency and not have to give up nobody. Yep. You know what I mean. But yep. they played around. Didn't pick up the phone. The word was out there that he wanted to stay in New York, yep. whether it was Brooklyn or the Knicks. Yep. He wanted to stay because he liked New York. He's a young kid. He's 23. He's going to Supreme every day. He's going to flight clubs every day. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to leave that. Yeah, right. house. I'm just making this up, of course. But you know what I mean? you young, 23 years old. you hanging out at the Supreme store, and you going to Soho house, and you going to – of course you don't want to leave. Commercials, New- too. He was doing you know commercials I mean? out here, too. New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? I heard he was living in Brooklyn. He was. He was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, why do I want to leave? So, well, whatever team I'm playing for, as long as I'm in the city, I'm all right. They should have picked up the phone right away when they knew none of them other names was happening. They should have picked up the phone and said, yo, bro, what we got to do? Yep. You know what I mean? Made yeah. that happen. Backcourt um, with two lefties, too. That would have been really hard to guard. Yeah. It would have been. And, like LaMelo, he does something no one else on the Knicks does, and the stuff he can't do, they there for Oh, he don't play D. That's cool. RJ is right there to lock whoever down. Right. Oh, he can't get in the paint like that. That's cool. RJ loves living in the paint. RJ can't shoot. Beautiful. This guy is a 47 percent shooter. Right. You know what I mean? 6'5", handles crazy. Lefty, lights out from three. What we'll are we see, talking about? We're starting like, to get to the line more, too. Right. You, you yeah, know. like, what's the issue? He is a little baby Kyrie, but a lefty, and he's taller. What's the issue? I want. I wanted him here. Brian knows that. I wanted him. Yeah. I wanted him. Yeah, here. I thought. I. I. They should have pulled the trigger on that man. And even you know a little, a little random fact. Some people may or may not know. That's actually Westside Gun's cousin. No, I didn't know that. Really, D'Angelo Russell? Yep, hundred percent. That's his yo. Cousin. Did really? not know that. Yo, shout out to Westside Gun. Pray for Paris. Uh, another good project he put uh, out recently too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah bro, that's his cousin. You know what I mean? No, so, did, oh, didn't know that. The city. You know what I mean? Yo, like, shout out to Buffalo. That's yeah, great. I, 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 do, cool, you know I, mean? I do have one more question for you because the last time we had you on the show, you know, we Carmelo Anthony was still not on the team, and we were been talking about wow. that. What's going on? Now we have a resolution to that. He's with Portland. Um, we don't know for how much longer he's going to be with Portland beyond this season, but it looks like he wants to continue playing. So I guess you know where you happy about obviously hit one him finding a team and two are you optimistic that he'll be able to continue playing because you know he looked all right this year yeah yeah no i mean for one i definitely am super happy he's on the team um you know that's my man like i know him personally and um you know i i he deserve it you know what i mean because there's no reason 
there's 450 players in the league and he's not one of them. You telling me there's 450 people better than him? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, nah. right? Not in the league, no. Nah. You know what I mean? Like 450, nah. That's 470 with two ways. 470. You tell yeah. me 470 players better than Carmelo, Cayenne, Anthony? No, there's not. You know what I'm saying? That's just that's a that's blasphemy. That's a lie. Like. I, t- I don't care if you feel this way about defense or this or that. There's not 470 guys better than him. So he right. deserved <laughs> to be on a roster legitly, not player 15. I'm talking player four or five. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, yeah. he deserved that legitimately. So I'm glad he got it. I'm glad he showed improved. Um, was able to average, like, 16 and four after coming off a whole year of not playing ball. You know what I mean? Like, people mm-hmm. may want to feel whatever, whatever. Yo, 16 and 4 per night in the league at 35 years old after you took a year off? Yeah, that's nah, impressive. That's pretty great. Word. That's pretty yeah. that's and it's a good three-point percentage, too. Exactly. That's pretty great. Um, You know the rumors, and I don't know, even though, that you know, that's the homie, I have no, I don't know anything on the inside, so this is just me speculating off of what we read and all that. You know, they're talking about him coming back home. I read um, that. Yep. I hope it happens. You know, um, I just hope it happens because I've always wanted him to, to finish his career here. You know, I didn't the, – the selfish side of me as a Knicks fan didn't want him to, to leave, but I knew he had to with all the dirt that was going on. I knew, like, you deserve so much better, bro. You know what I mean? Like, than yeah. what this organization is doing to you with Phil and all these guys. But the flip side, of course, I wanted him to stay here forever. So the idea of him coming back would be amazing, you know, I want nothing more as a Nick fan than well, not nothing, but one of the top things I want as a Nick fan is for that number to go up in the rafters because he deserves it. You know, Denver's not going to do it because they already gave the number away. So Denver's yeah, not that's right. They have right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if they didn't give the number away, maybe, but they were so butthurt about the way that situation went down. <laughs> they were. Even though they came out. They didn't come out on top, but people like to look at it like that. But they were so butthurt about the way they came out. Right. There was no way yeah. they was going to let that live. They gave the number away like two years later. You know what I mean? So, like, it ain't going to happen in Denver. So, and then, you know, these other teams, he wasn't there long enough. So, it, it got to happen in New York. And he deserves it. He deserves it to happen in New York. He's the most talented Nick ever. And he's definitely top 10, top five even Knicks ever. If you start naming, okay, Willis, Pat, Clyde, Earl of Pearl, you know, you keep he's right going. There. Yeah. He's easily top 10 best Nick ever and most talented. Easily most talented nigga ever. So he deserves it. And put the city on his back more than anyone because even though he ain't get a chip, none of the players who got a chip dealt with what he dealt with. You know what I mean? Even Pat, who didn't get a chip, but Pat dealt with a ton. The city oh, yeah. going on him and all that. Yep. Yeah. Mellow's scrutiny was crazier because Pat didn't have the organization coming at him along with the city. Yes. He, he had, had good structure then. Because yep. that's just New York. New York is right. wild and we love you today. We hate you tomorrow. You know, it is what it is. He had that, but at least the organization was standing tall with him. Yep. My man had the city coming at him and the organization coming at him. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> right. And never asked for a trade. You know what I mean? So he dealt with the most scrutiny out of any Nick ever. He deserves it, man. Put that seven in the stands, man. He deserves it. All right. We hope he gets yeah. to see that I'd one like day. I'd to see a mentor, mentor RJ Barrett, too. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And even more so than RJ, man, if we're going to keep Kevin Knox. If we're going to keep Kevin I'm Knox. down on him, Sky. I'm down Me on him, too. man. I'm Me down too. on him. <laughs> I'm off that train. I'm yeah, I've been off that train. <laughs> I got off the train. I went Ooh. under the steps and switched platforms. <laughs> I'm off that train. You know what I'm saying? Like, that thing ain't it. But if somebody can get it out of him, right. it would be, be Melo or it would be T-Mac. You know what I mean? Um, 
I think if Melo was there every day, you see a different guy. Because it's just the dog and the want. Yes. That's what I'm saying. He don't got it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Which is great. He can score, which is beautiful. He's slow-footed, you know, all that. You know what I'm saying? But there's no want. Every time you look at him, it's like, I'd rather be home playing Fortnite. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yo. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. not a knock because we know he loves Fortnite. Like, yeah. every time you see his face on the court, it's like, I kind of wish I was at the crib playing Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> like, bro, like, you know what I'm saying? I don't see, so, I don't see that, that, that want to, that, that go get exactly. it. I don't see that hunger. Yeah. But you see it with RJ and Mitch. Exactly. Yeah, I see RJ, it with those like, dudes. I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. With Mitch, like, I'm ready. Let's go. But with, with Son... It's kind of like he don't want to be there. So if Melo, if somebody like Melo is around, he's going to push that. Like, yo, Duke, wake up, B. Let's go. Like, yeah. this is the city, bro. Like, wake up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nah. they tried to make Sun the face of the city. When they drafted him, it was all about him. It was like, yo, Kevin Knox, Kevin Knox. It was all about Sunday. When he went stupid in Summer League, it was, yo, Kevin Knox. Kevin. They tried to give him the keys. You know what I mean? Like, he ain't want him. You know yeah. He want a controller. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know. Um, so if somebody can get it out of him, I think it's Melo that could be like, yo, bro, wake up, B. Like, we need to swag you out a little bit. We need to get you tough. Yes. You got the tools, man. Just use them. Let's go. I, I think somebody like Melo would be perfect for uh, for Kevin Knox and for RJ. Just RJ how to too. navigate the city, how to smooth this thing out, getting a go-to move. I, I mean, it really should happen. And hopefully it does. I hope so, yeah. man. Well, you look, man, we always we love having you. We always get to talk sports and hip hop with you. Um, Sky's new project with Dumbo Station, the Bluest Snow EP out now. Go purchase that. Uh, definitely. You know, Sky, we always talk about the purchasing. That's the best way you can support. You know, we always talk about that. Sky's got another project coming down the road. Uh, all the brilliant things that'll be later this year. Um, yeah. we, we should have you back then to talk about it. And hopefully we have some basketball to talk about, bro. Yeah, you know it, man. I'm I'm always down. You know, y'all been rocking since day one. I'm always down to sit with y'all and build, you know, and, and, and discuss all these things and yeah, and keep it going. We 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 appreciate sure. that. People, we'll get to a know. show when all this passes too. Yeah, that yeah. too. We gotta come to a show. People should know when we reach out to Sky, we ask Sky if he'll come on. He's always gracious of his time and giving us the time to talk. So yeah. true true Brooklyn brother out there. Appreciate you, bro. As Much always. Love. So All right, good. man. So that's sure. it for episode one. Uh, what is the episode? Is this? I'm sorry, I forgot my number. We're doing 125. 125, 125 of the Hand Talk, yeah. Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Uh, for Brian Fonseca, my man Skazu, the great, talented hip hop artist. Until next time, y'all. Peace.